Hello and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I'm Nick Axelrod-Welk. And I'm Annie Quigbaum. Happy 2021. Yay! We have missed, I've missed you. I missed you too. And I've missed you, dear readers. It looks like we're just exactly where we left each other. You're wearing <laughs> your pink Jackamoose hat with a... Um, hole in the back. Mm-hmm. Did you ever figure out the reason why there's negative space, <laughs> just like a small little hole in the back of this beanie? It is a reference to the balaclava that nobody besides myself seems to understand, but continue. But like, it's just a hole, right? A balaclava no, has it, like... But it's like the the hole for your like face, but it's like but, too But the small. hole is, yeah, it's too... It's irony. It's ironic. You're using That's... ironic in the same way that like Alanis Morissette used ironic. Like... Yeah, I don't know if irony is the right term for it, but which is you know, the wrong we are. Okay. And mostly the hat is intended to mask my ever expanding Jufro. This pandemic at this point has lasted so long that I've mastered sourdough bread baking. I shaved my head down to like the skull, and now it's about four or five inches long. I learned how to cook beef bourguignon. I bought a pressure cooker. Like I'm really sort of scraping the bottom of the, what else can I do inside my home barrel? What are you doing? I am starting a company. <laughs> <laughs> so that's busy. That takes some time. It takes a lot of time. The podcast, um, I'm not sure if everybody realizes is not my job. We make, how much money do we make on this podcast? Mm, this is a labor of love. And a gift that we give ourselves. Honestly, we do give ourselves because we love doing it and it it inspires us and that we give everyone. Speaking of gifts, we don't have any um, interesting interviews this week. We figured there was a lot. There actually wasn't that much that happened (laughs) (laughs) beauty-wise. But guess what? I actually do. I have something I want to say. Okay, And I called you about this on, I think, New Year's Eve. My husband Mm -hmm. made out with Jeffree Star. (laughs) Let that sink in. We had a conversation last night. He is letting me reveal the truth. Let me set the stage. Apparently, you know, like I don't, I'm not an intimate follower of Jeffree Star, but I guess his background is in music and he was like a punk rocker in like the mid 2000s before he sort of reinvented himself as a beauty guru. And he toured small college venues like playing his weird punk rock. I think it was more maybe glam rock. I actually have no idea. All I know is that according to my husband, he, you know, at that point, he being Jeffrey looked like a twink, which is like a young, a young blonde gay guy. So like. Is that what that, what's the origin of twink? I think the origin of the word twink is like a Twinkie because they're like yellow on the outside and creamy on the inside. I don't know. I don't know. It's like everything gay. There's, there's (laughs) illicit origins. However. Jeffrey looked sort of like twinkish and Casey was loving what he was laying down and they made out. Not only that, like I found out after like (laughs) asking like a little more that they made out like several times over several hours and Casey said they quote unquote, sorry. Radish is having a really hard time processing. They made out several times over several hours and they had a connection, Casey says. And you know what? Honestly, I can see, you know, you take a taste of Jeffree Star and then you order the full Nick Axelrod. I get it. What like gas station fast food would you be? Oh, like Twinkie? I think yeah. I'm probably like an otter at this but point. That, 
So an otter is like a thin bear. Hairy, dark. Like a hipster kind of bear. Mm -hmm. I think I'm probably an otter, but I'm almost a daddy. (gasps) Only weeks (laughs) away. We're going to, I feel like, get some flack if we don't do baby watch. So do you want to just tell us, speaking of twinks, what food is? (laughs) Speaking of Twinkies, our daughter is 33 weeks along. She is as big as a butternut squash. Wow. She is as big as a celery, but not just one stick of celery, like an entire sort of uh-huh. bundle of yeah. celery. Okay. Um, she that's a long also, baby. Yeah. She's going to be a basketball player. <laughs> I, that's what I don't <laughs> understand about these about these lists is that like, it's like I, it's, <laughs> What is it with parents? Like every time they're like, oh, the baby's kicking. That's a soccer player in there. <laughs> what else is she the size of? A honeydew melon. Cute. Honeydew, hey. like, gets a lot of flack, but I, people that don't enjoy honeydew, you know what they need to do? What? Put salt on it. It's delicious. Ugh. And she's the size of a ferret. <laughs> okay, so otter. An otter would have a, would produce An a otter ferret. would totally have a ferret. Ferret, apparently, the name means little thief. And, <laughs> and this app asks, has she been stealing all of your food lately? Oh, gosh. Pregnancy apps. But yeah, so we are staring down the barrel of... A major life change happening in six weeks. I feel like this is going to affect my life as well. (laughs) No, I'm going to bring my podcasting equipment to New York State where the baby will be born and spend the first two years, no, first two weeks of her life. And so there'll be no gap in podcasting. It'll just be like it always, I feel like you're like the older child who I have to convince that like life is going to be the same after baby. You made me give my gonna, room up. I did actually. Um, I'm not going to love you any less. I have, I have a feeling you are going to love your own biological <laughs> child more than you're going to love me, but okay. I don't think that's, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it depends. We have to have a conversation about not getting white things dirty, you know, like white chairs or white shirts. You and the baby? Yeah, we're going to set the rules quickly. Got it. That worked really well with your two dogs. Yes. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, They're really well behaved. Shall we get into top stories? Let's do it. Okay, we made, you guys a promise. We said we would dig into the Purito sunscreen controversy. So here we are. Let's rewind to a month ago. Reddit blew up. Skincare addiction. A post at the top of the, the subreddit was about Purito Centella's green level unscented sun SPF 50 plus. P-A plus plus plus, which is the holy grail of facial sunscreens for like skincare junkies. They love it. It is like this legendary product. They order it in bulk from whatever. Now, there's an independent product developer, chemist based in Hungary, Budapest. Her name is Judith. And she runs a website called the Inky Decoder. And so this website, you can copy paste the ingredient list from like your favorite products or a product that you're curious about, put it into her website and she'll like help you decode what all is in the product. She, I guess, had started doing a sunscreen study on her own to test the actual SPF levels in different popular sunscreen products. I guess she might be developing one herself. She has a beauty retail business in Hungary. Anyway, long story short, she sent 
this Purito sunscreen out to several different independent labs. She even like decanted it into other bottles so that there would be no bias against the brand, whatever, whatever. Or the purported SPF level. Or the purported SPF level. Good point. Which, by the way, Purito is claiming is SPF 84.5. So very, very high. Specific. Very specific. This whole thing started was because in decoding the ingredient list, the two SPF filters in this product were very low down on the list. And there were only two, which kind of like sparked her, you know, alarm bells saying like, how can this actually be like above 50 SPF? She sent it out to these labs, came back the results, SPF 19. And the internet freaked out. Freaked out. Purito, they took off the market their like top sunscreens and another brand made at the same lab called Clares, K-L-A-R-S, also pulled the sunscreen. They're giving refunds. It's just a total mess. Purito responded by saying that actually they bought the formula from another party, a manufacturing company, and they asked a manufacturer to develop the product that was for Purito, and they received the formulation. The manufacturer had a long history of developing quality sunscreen products, yada, yada, yada. It was officially approved by the Korean FDA before the product was launched. But due to recent debates, we've decided to conduct our own research on the efficacy of the sunscreen, and they are doing their own tests, and they're pausing sales as of a month ago while they undergo more testing. So basically they're saying, you know, and this is pretty common, that a beauty company will use a contract manufacturer to develop a formula for them, and that contract manufacturer will undertake testing on behalf of the brand. So Purito is sort of trying to distance themselves from liability, though I believe that they still would be liable because I don't think the contract manufacturer like has that liability. But I've actually never developed a sunscreen because they're so complicated and expensive to develop because they're considered, you know, you have to have drug facts on a sunscreen and there is all sorts of FDA clearance required. So the stability testing. Yeah, it's expensive. You know, we know that in Australia and in Asia, there's a lot more advanced technologies on the market that are approved in those territories that aren't approved in the US. So this Purito thing speaks to the fact that you can't automatically assume that any claim on any package is totally true. This reminds me, and this is going to date me, but back when Tasty Delight was really big. <laughs> it was like pre-Pinkberry. Tasty Delight. Tasty Delight is yogurt, right? It No, it was oh. synthetic, you know, milk product. It was like the American cheese of ice cream. Like you don't want to know what it's made of. But they claimed that they were fat-free and calorie Basically, it was like too good to be true. There'd be these like girls with like enormous like gallon-sized <laughs> buckets of Tasty Delight that they would claim in the store when you looked at the nutrition facts, it's actually like 30 calories. And you'd be like, oh my God, this is amazing. It was then revealed that the nutrition facts were misleading and that like basically, you know, if you fill the cup up halfway, it might be 30 calories. But if you do the normal amount, it's actually like 120. Anyway. Long story short, you can't trust Tasty Delight and you can't trust Purito. How does this make you feel about Smart Sweets? I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, honestly. Okay, let let me just set the stage on this one. There's a new detox program. I'm listening. (laughs) (laughs) The New York Times reported on it. The Burning Man crowd are now detoxing with an Amazonian frog poison called Kambo. K-A-M-B-O. And it sounds exactly or very similar, at least to like the ayahuasca craze where people that work in tech 
again, the Burning Man crowd with too much money they don't know what to do with, go and get this. They burn your skin so you start blistering. They wipe away the blisters and then they put the poison into like the broken blistered skin. And someone is quoted in this New York Times article as saying, you're basically going from zero to the worst flu of your life in 60 seconds. This other woman said her face swelled up. She looked like basically, you know, the the weekend that like weird like makeup that he did. And everybody thought he was making fun of Bella Hadid. Oh, the music video where he's like all plastic surgeryed out. Yeah. And he has like the huge lips and like the puffy face. They're saying that like that's what it does to your face. They call it frog face. Your face is all puffy. It looks like you got too many injections. And then, of course, you vomit for 15 to 40 minutes. They have diarrhea. And the idea is that it's purging all your toxins. And then afterwards, they feel a lot better. But I'm like, they describe like what they're throwing up. This like this one person's like, the first time I threw up, it was all clear. And then the second time I threw up, it was like yellow. And like I was looking at it. And I'm like, this is me in college. <laughs> like it's exactly and then you feel great you feel great once you're not hung over anymore someone said i feel like it's warrior medicine who credits cambo with helping purge internalized anger from her divorce jesus i feel like cambo is one of those things that gives you superpower immunity you kind of feel invincible from it i don't want to <sighs> knock this thing that i mean there are people in the amazon that have used this in their own practices for a long time which I think are very different than what's going on in like SoCal and in Silicon Valley. But I just want to say like, don't knock antidepressants, okay? I remember like telling like, after I got into this like bad car wreck and I was having a really rough time, I had like some asshole friends that are totally this crowd that were like, why are you not microdosing uh, mushrooms to like help your, what you're going through? And like, why don't you try ayahuasca? And antidepressants like... You're like, give me big pharma. Yeah. You're big, like, you know who I trust? Give me a big, big pharma. big pharma hug. Big pharma's never lied. Like, I feel much more comfortable with that. Actually, speaking of which, I did uh, a few months ago try microdosing LSD mm-hmm. and TLDR. It made me feel nauseous. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, like, feel better. I, I mean, I love mushrooms just for a fun afternoon. Microdosing mushrooms sounds like a waste to me, as is microdosing LSD. Just do the whole thing. Pat McGrath is a dame. Yay. Is it the highest honor that you can receive as a British citizen? I don't know. This whole thing is so convoluted. Because after this, I looked up, you know, who else is a dame? But then they have, like, orders Judy of Judy Dench. The- Judy Dench is a dame, as is Olivia Newton-John. John Galliano, Alexander McQueen, Mark Jacobs, Mucha Prada. They're not dames. Those are men. It's oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's something I'm just else. Reading, I'm just naming fashion designers. <laughs> Are they knights? The, some some no, people no, no. have Don't knighthoods. Those, forget what, what I just said and throw it out the window. She is a dame. It's the crown's highest honor for their services to British society and culture. And we love to see it. We love Pat McGrath. What's interesting about Pat, too, is like they also gave her this award because of her work to advance diversity within fashion and culture. She's always been like a champion of diverse casting and creating beauty looks that work for women of color, not just taking what works on a white model and like slapping the same thing on a model with darker skin tone. She's also on the cover of Allure. So this is a big few months for Pat McGrath. She's amazing. Like when she used to work as the 
ambassador for CoverGirl. She was like the chief makeup trend artist or something before she launched her own brand. She would do these like seminars where she would do basically trend reports for the upcoming seasons. And every beauty editor I know who went to them said they were just like totally transfixing. And people who are close to her call her mother because she's totally maternal and amazing. And I've never met her and I want to meet her. She I met her. You did? You want to hear a little known fact? Gucci Beauty had makeup before now, before like Alessandra Michelle Oh, I did. remember that. I don't know if she was the creative director or like the lead makeup artist or whatever, but she did like a education session for beauty editors, whatever. And yeah, I saw her smear eyeshadows on a model. That's cool. It was beautiful. Sephora released a racial bias in retail study, and this is according to an article in Women's Wear Daily. It's interesting. It was commissioned in 2009. The findings were just released. A few facts that I thought were particularly interesting. Two in five retail shoppers reported personally experiencing unfair treatment based on their race or complexion. One in five retail employees reported personally experiencing unfair treatment in work. And one in three retail employees and 37% of black employees said they have contemplated quitting after experiencing racial bias and unfair treatment. So Sephora, obviously in commissioning and releasing this study, are dedicated to figuring out how they can better protect people of color, both in their stores as customers and as their retail employees. They also took the Aurora James 15% pledge, which was a pledge to dedicate 15% of your sales floor to Black-owned businesses. So in that case, beauty businesses. So they're very publicly trying to do the right thing, which is which is admirable. Changing gears here. Can someone explain to me Pantone's color of the year? <laughs> like, why is this a thing? Who owns Pantone? Well, I don't know that, but I can tell you about Latrice Eisman. Now, this woman is a self-proclaimed color expert. Latrice works with brands and businesses to pick colors <laughs> for their products. And she helps Pantone every year with their Pantone of the Year colors. And I just want to say publicly that they have consistently 100% always been wrong. So this year, they wanted to cast a wider net it seems like because they chose two colors, ultimate gray, which is like the color of a rock and illuminating, which is like happy face yellow. Your theory is that they've never been right, that these are the most important colors of the year. There's actually been a lot of articles in The Atlantic, in Bloomberg about sort of what Pantone is and how they became this global authority on color. But what I'm more interested in is like, who is the owner of this company. So it is owned by a company called X-Rite Inc., which then was acquired by Danaher Corporation. And Danaher Corporation is an American globally diversified conglomerate that designs, manufactures, and markets professional, medical, industrial, and commercial products and services very vague. Which makes perfect sense that they would have color expertise in-house. You have to match shades across different batches of things that you're manufacturing or designing so like i have three pantone books here they're very expensive they're also like organized in like the worst way possible and they have these little color chips that you use to match and pick colors of the things that you're designing it helps there be like a consistency you know if i'm speaking to a designer that's in another state another country i can say like pantone 386c so it does have like 
a practical use to exist. They don't need to tell me that gray and yellow are the colors of 2021. And now Sephora is going to go and release a makeup collection that nobody's going to buy. If anyone has the scoop on Pantone, DM us. The FTC blocked the Billy acquisition by Procter & Gamble. This comes after the FTC blocked the Harry's acquisition by Edgewell for the same reasons, which is that it would create basically a monopoly in the marketplace on wet shave razors. This sucks for (laughs) the founders of Billy and the founders of Harry's. So basically, they got these huge, sweet acquisition deals. Like talking about becoming like mazillionaires overnight. Gazillionaires. They're like, oh my God, I hope they didn't already buy the house on the beach in the Hamptons that they would have bought with this money because as fast as the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Well, the FTC is really patting themselves on the back here. They're saying that they've done a great job. This is a quote that they released. As sales grew, Billy was likely to expand into brick and mortar stores, posing a serious threat to P&G. If P&G can snuff out Billy's rapid competitive growth, consumers will likely face higher prices. So he's just saying like, you know, P&G and these like huge personal care commodity conglomerates can't just buy up smaller brands to lessen competition. Control pricing. And control pricing, right? And, so and the idea is, yeah. So Billy was cheaper than a Procter & Gamble brand razor. And so they could buy Billy and then just raise the price of all the razors. And the you know revolutionary pricing that Billy had would no longer exist. And did you know that razors are in very short supply, like the actual blades? There's only like a few factories around the world that make them. And so it's very, very, very hard to start a razor business and produce more razors. Kind of ingeniously, Harry's acquired the razor factory in Germany that they were producing all of their razors from. They bought it a few Mm -hmm. years ago. So they actually own their entire manufacturing cycle. Why are we podcasting? Why are we not like opening a blade manufacturing? Because we would. Oh, well, true. I was going to say a a razor company because we would be fucking shut down. No, we we should just be the manufacturers. We don't need to like start the brand. We don't need to like give ourselves a headache with like choosing Pantones for our packaging. We just need to. Well, we just um, pick yellow and gray. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There's this like ridiculous device that L'Oreal launched. Actually, last year they around the same time announced that they had invented this custom makeup and skincare mixing device. So like day to day, you can use an app on your phone to like analyze what's going on with the weather, what's going on with your skin, and it'll like mix you up a little custom serum for you just that day. And same idea with color cosmetics, it would make you like a perfectly matched foundation day to day for your face. Well, they finally like put it in an actual consumer product through East St. Laurent, which confirmed now somebody told me that L'Oreal uses YSL Beauty as their kind of like innovative brand. So they'll try out like really innovative stuff through YSL before they roll it out into like they're more like mass brands. And so I guess this is like case in point. It's this device. It looks like a skinny, almost like Sonos speaker tower. It's like matte black. And you unscrew the bottom. You put in three color cartridges, which just look like long lip glosses. You close it and you put this little like pod compact on top like YSL branded compact on top and you use an app on your phone (laughs) are you keeping up (laughs) you use an app on your phone to like take a picture of yourself you can like screen grab a photo that you saw on Instagram or like your you can take a photo of your outfit and it will shade match or find a complementary shade 
of lipstick that it will then mix for you and dispense through the compact and then you take the compact with you. It's the most like convoluted <laughs> bullshit I've ever I love. I mean, my favorite <laughs> thing about stuff like this is it's like we're – it's like one out of every 10 of these like weird tech innovations is actually going to work. But like, God bless the companies that continue to try to do these, like take a picture of your skin and then like send it to this website. And then 20 days later, you'll get like a foundation that matches that patch of your skin. I love the attempt at innovation and the attempt at customization, but it also feels like adults trying to like create things for kids like i know what they'll want they'll upload a picture on tiktok and then like the tiktok will spit out a you know qr code and then they'll scan the qr code and bring it to their local sephora (laughs) and it's like i don't think anyone's gonna do that it feels like some men gadget makers decided that this was something that women would want but Mm -hmm. it's not (laughs) i'm telling you it's not there is this one machine that i've heard so i joined this facebook group called gay fathers and there was a thread that people were raving about this product called the baby brezza it's an espresso machine for baby formula I mean, that's smart because you have you to heat it up powder, every time. And- exactly. So you choose how hot you want it to be, how much, how concentrated you want it to be, and then you press go and it just like pours the right amount of formula into the bottle. There is now a Wi-Fi enabled one. So you from bed can like set the baby Brezza to start pouring the bottle so that while you're still like asleep, they're pouring the bottle, and then you can bring the bottle into the baby to feed them. And everyone on this gay father's channel was like, this is a fucking lifesaver. I was like, that technology makes sense. Okay, so if you want to get the YSL Rouge (laughs) Sur Measure device, you can become a beta tester for only $299. (laughs) And they'll give you two free cartridge sets, which are valued at $180 USD. So this is not cheap. So if you want to become a beta tester, which sounds like, does this work? I'm paying $300 to test it okay. out. Anyway, whatever. whatever. Congratulations, said, YSL. I'm excited yes, to see how this We love L'Oreal. We love YSL. Please advertise on our podcast. Thank I you. am a huge fan of, of both brands. Everything and, they do. Yeah. More importantly, and I can't tell you how many DMs and text messages I got about this piece of news, which also came out during our blackout, our New Year's blackout, which is that there were reports that the COVID-19 vaccine could have an adverse reaction for people who have dermal fillers, like under eye filler, lip filler, face filler, all the best kinds of fillers. And everyone was like, Nick, have you heard this? Is this true? I think more because they were concerned about my face and less about theirs. (laughs) But I've been following a lot of dermatologists on Instagram. And what basically all have said is that this is a super rare complication. It's basically inflaming the filler. And evidence suggests that the reactions can be triggered by even a bacterial or a viral illness, not just COVID-19. It can be triggered by the influenza vaccine, dental procedures, and also like these are rare events that also can be solved with over-the-counter antihistamines or just nothing at all. Like the FDA data report showed that only three participants out of 15,184 who received at least one dose of the Moderna vaccine developed uh, lip or facial swelling in areas of dermal filler. So you guys, everybody's going to be okay. You should absolutely get the vaccine if you can. And keep putting that stuff in your lips if if it makes you happy. Yeah, except with your lips. (laughs) You can go too far, I think, because sometimes like it can stretch out the skin, which like you don't want to do. Oof. So don't go too far. 
but go too far if you want. Interesting segue into our next story. Cody closed their deal to acquire 20% of KKW Beauty for how much money? $200 million. So can we do some quick math here? What does that mean for KKW's current valuation? $1 billion. $1 billion. In their press release, they're basically saying Kim can now focus on like what she's good at, which is influencing people. And I'm sure she brings like a lot of like creative vision and her aesthetic to the brand, while Cody will bring their global expertise in product development and manufacturing. They interestingly called out different categories, skincare, hair care, personal care, and nail products. So maybe we'll see some of those things from Kim in the future. Weirdly, I keep on seeing the word body come up in relation to this, which makes perfect sense, right? Because of her Skims line. It sounds like she might be going into like body cosmetics even more than she is currently, which she had some success with her body foundation line. I'm interested to see what's next. Are you scared because of like necessary body KKW? You think there's room for everyone? I think there's room for everyone. The more the merrier and we can all bring each other up. We want to do a little arts and culture segment, cue music. I just want to tell everyone who maybe isn't following this story that there exists a bit of a brouhaha. I think that's the official terminology in the gay social media world. Amongst otters, amongst twinks. I think it sort of spans the whole animal kingdom of homosexuals. It is a sort of flagrant disregard for COVID guidelines and restrictions in favor of partying. I've sort of seen this and just heard whispers of it. I have not seen it firsthand, but that, you know, there are these underground parties that are happening because a lot of people miss partying and dancing. And so there's like this sort of speakeasy thing that's happening in some cities. It kind of came to the fore, though, over Christmas and New Year's when a lot of gay people plus a lot of gay influencers who had been posting all this sort of public health pro-mask stuff on Instagram, including some ER nurses who had posted like wear a masks kind of stuff, were all spotted in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, partying without masks in huge groups of people and posting these pictures on the internet, which scares me for my soon-to-be child's generation, that people don't understand that what you put on the internet is there forever and for anyone to see. So this anonymous Instagram account called Gaze Over COVID started screen grabbing all of these instances of gays being over COVID, over the social distancing guidelines, over the quarantine guidelines and calling out influencers. And it kind of became a bit of a battle between those who felt like these were people who deserve to be held accountable for their irresponsibility. And then very quickly, a group of gay people who felt like the culture of shaming is toxic and negative. So gays over gays over COVID existed to be like the anti- call-out account. Basically, what it illuminated was this debate between accountability and public accountability versus call-out culture. So, you know, should these public figures, these influencers in the gay community be shamed for being irresponsible and flagrantly disregarding any kind of social distancing guidelines. And there was even an influencer who was in healthcare and was shown getting the vaccine in an Instagram that he posted and then partying in Puerto Vallarta, 
you know, a few weeks later. They should suck it back out of him. It, it was pretty bad. And Gaze Over COVID still exists. The guy or girl, I assume it's a guy who started it. He's anonymous because he's afraid for his life. He won't say who he is. A lot of people have gone private. because you know, <laughs> He a lot won't of say who he is. You're like, I think he's probably very attractive and yeah. loves Jacquemus. If he wants to reach out, he can DM. Yeah. No, um. I don't have the time to create gaze over COVID, but it just is. Does this count as arts or culture, Nick? I guess culture. <sighs> Great I call question. out culture. Call out culture. Okay. So I guess my thoughts on this is I am 1000% guilty of being the asshole on social media, making like generalized kind of sub tweets or sub statements around a certain group of people doing something that I think is annoying when in fact it's somebody that I kind of know in my personal life that I should probably, if I have such a bad problem with it, maybe I should just go and, and have like, you know, a respectful conversation with them, if that makes sense. Or if I mm -hmm. think if it's bad enough to where I think that they're a bad person and it colors my perception of them in a different way, maybe I just don't hang out with them anymore. I don't know. Like I do have a lot of people that I am, I would say like good friends with, not like best friends who don't text each other all the time we might like dm each other about certain things or whatever that are you know traveling a lot during the pandemic and like feeling like they're not being very careful or maybe say something uneducated or just flat out what i i think is wrong about like maybe trump getting banned from twitter and how it's like a first amendment violation we don't need to get into all that but you hold on you think it's a first amendment violation no no, no. i'm saying people that oh, i know uh, have oh been posting God. about how they think it's a first amendment violation so they're like well i agree he shouldn't have been doing this <laughs> this seems like a slippery slope you guys and it's like actually it's I, I have a lot of thoughts on that and like again yeah. we don't need this is not what this podcast is for but Anyway, my point is, I feel like call out culture, in a sense, is kind of preventing like these direct conversations, which are arguably like much more powerful. So you would err on the side of being anti call out culture? <sighs> it's tough, right? Like public we, shaming. Well, we talked with Sharon Shooter about this a little bit in her episode. So she had like more intelligent things to say about it because she was saying like probably to like a brand or like a, somebody at like such a influential level. That's like the only way to get their attention is to do a public call out. But I feel like this call out culture where it's like, hey, I'm actually worried about your behavior. Maybe talk to that person directly if they are your gay friend that is traveling to Puerto Vallarta during the pandemic rather than sending their speaking of arts and culture do we want to touch on army hammer or no uh no uh, okay. phrasing nick phrasing <laughs> do, <you> <laughs> do we want to grab on to army hammer wrap Shake our him. fingers around <laughs> his neck anyway moving on i have an issue with go men I, okay. Men are so toxic. I feel... Be more specific. Okay, so I decided that I needed more of a personality, so I am very publicly into the NBA right now. <laughs> and <laughs> I grew up like a Dallas Mavericks fan. I always went to the games because they were so bad when I was younger. It was like a cheap activity that the whole family could do together. <laughs> and then they got really good, and they won the world championship, and like there was Dirk Nowitzki, and he's like now a legend, and you know, Mark Cuban is like the owner of the Mavericks. Anyway, the Mavericks are incredible. They're doing really well. But there's a lot of drama going on with the league. Kind of a lot of it is COVID-related. So complicated situation, but James Harden, who is – a superstar player, like we're talking of all time, plays for the Rockets. The team is not meshing What's well. What's the Rockets? The is Houston in... Rockets. Okay. 
you know how Beyonce has that lyric that's like, London, speed it up, Houston, wreck it. Yeah. So Okay, you're putting it in the language that, <laughs> that I can you understand. understand. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, got it. Beyonce. They're actually yep. like a very good team, but this year they're like, oof, not very good. And James Harden, who is their you know, like I said, like superstar player has publicly stated he wants to get traded. It's very toxic publicly between him and like other top players in the team. He, during COVID, very publicly went to like a what looked like a strip club and was like on Instagram stories. And then the league like made him miss games because of COVID and find him. They're being very careful about contact tracing and stuff with the league. Anyway, another thing that's happening with James Harden, he's like obviously going through some shit. He is literally telling the press that he's going through some shit. But what I can't understand is the fat shaming that's going on. He like started the season and he came out and he was much beefier. So like what would be like the gay like equivalent? A bear? A bear. He emerged a bear. He came out of hibernation a bear. And he still averaging, I think it was like 17 points a game, but his point average, just to put it in perspective, top scorers of all time. Number one, Michael Jordan, 30 points a game. James Harden, number 10, 25 points a game. That's above Kobe. Nick is, Nick is like trailing. He's not even looking at me. He's like on I know his phone. I get in trouble when I'm like looking at my phone when you talk, but you said sports and I had to just sort of like dual path this. Anyway, this clip came out of him like in his warmups this past week and Golf Digest like Fuck Golf Digest, honestly. They're like mean grilling him. And on Twitter, like all these men are like mean grilling him. And they're like, he didn't miss any pregame meals. And like saying this like crazy shit. And I'm like, he's an elite athlete. The fat shaming needs to stop. Maybe he's an emotional eater. He's going through a rough time. Stop picking on James Harden. Also, he got traded to the Nets. So it seems like the situation has resolved. And I'm glad to see some like body diversity in the NBA. I think it's cool. Also, like Shaq, right? Yep. Remember Shaq? Do. Another beefy big man that was an excellent player. So To clarify, like the beefier ones in basketball are not the ones who are running up and down the court, right? I mean, everybody has to run up and down the court. Okay, that's in basketball. In football, the beefy ones like just have to kind of throw or something, right? Like, no, aren't no, there no. certain the sports? Oh, no, in baseball, there's certain sports where everybody like, you don't in baseball have to be... has historically been very beefy. I always thought that baseball was like the lazy man sport, and then like that all... is fat shaming. What are, you're associating beefiness with laziness? Hold on, no, no, no. I'm associating like you're canceled. They're no baseball players are like hard partiers. Think of like Babe Ruth and like all these like womanizing like. You're like... just talking about a basketball player who's in a strip club. He's going through some shit, Nick. Like he. But they, this is not normal for him. This is not normal for him. But in baseball, like, you don't have to be super, super, super fit. Well, now you do because now they don't let them do steroids anymore. And so now, like, actually elite athletes are coming up from, like, Central. I didn't know you knew this much about sports. It's really not. This is, like, pretty common knowledge. <laughs> I just want to jump in because this is cracking me up. Justin watches baseball, and there are a lot of beefy players. Yeah. And mostly that's because it's like a skill game more than it is like pure athleticism. But they also all wear jewelry, like full on necklaces. While they're playing? Yes. And I'm like, how is that not like you're an elite athlete? Because it's not a contact sport. So there's no like rules. Yes, they are when they like slide into the base. Yeah, and they're running. And it's not that there's not rules. I'm just like, wouldn't you want every advantage of not wearing a big fucking thing? And then they also literally eat on field. They'll eat like sunflower seeds and shit. And you're like... 
this is sports? Yeah, anyway, sorry. I had to jump I in love... because I have had this conversation so many times. We're going to keep this in. This is our producer, Jessamine Molly, with a hot tip about jewelry in baseball. Nick, you know, you should really watch The Last Dance. I think you would really like it. The Michael Jordan Bulls documentary. Yeah, it's I, fascinating. I, Dennis Rodman. Historically, to quote Z-Way, famously, I am not able to engage in content that involves sports. However, I'm willing to give it a shot. I think that you'll find that there's a good balance of not sport in the documentary. I think that concludes arts and culture and sports, I guess. Arts, culture, and sports. Do we need new music? (laughs) I don't know. I I don't think this is going to be an ongoing thing, actually. No. Something tells me it won't. But we actually do want to now introduce a new, a semi-new segment or like a sub-segment in 2021, which is... Reader submitted products of the week. But Annie, we have some requirements that you have to fulfill in order to submit. Yes. So we're doing this because we personally don't think that every product is for everyone, right? So like anything that Nick and I recommend, if you don't have our skin type or our hair type or our lifestyle, whatever, it might not be the product for you. So let's get some diversity in here. When you recommend your product, you need to give context about your physical features that relate to that relate to that product so if it's a skincare product you have to describe what type of skin you have if it's a hair product you have to describe what type of hair you have etc 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 so people like you can be like oh that product might work for me right so you must send us a link to the product so we can look it up and you can't um, work for the brand can't work for the brand product don't be don't be like that like us (laughs) (laughs) don't be like nick or you know what, if you're the founder of the product and you really believe in it, like convince us. Oh, it can't be an abstract Concept. product of the week like we sometimes do. So try to keep it to like a product that someone can buy in the beauty or wellness aisle. Okay. So with that, DM it to us on Instagram. You can email it to us, make the subject line product of the week. And we're going to start doing this in next week's episode. So with that, I have an interesting product of the week. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Okay, so Shin Beauty, which is a beauty retailer slash spa clinic in Brooklyn, invited me in for a facial just before Christmas. I had never been there before. It's a great store. They have like a ton of really great brands. The guy doing my facial did an incredible job. And normally I just kind of want to sleep the whole time, but I actually wanted to talk to him the whole time. And he used one of those devices, you know, like New Face that sends like electric yeah. currents through your face. Yeah. So he used a device that they carry there called Pure Lift. By the way, I have New Face, so I've tried both. And I'm going to tell you Pure Lift is leaps and bounds more intense it's sending electromagnetic currents to your muscles or something right yeah it's like making your muscles twitch in your face and the idea is that like i guess by like moving these muscles it's like activating them and lifting your face instead of it your face just like atrophying away please don't take any of this with <laughs> what i'm about to tell you is anecdotal but listen to what he said he had a client come in with something called Bell's palsy. Do you know what that is? Is that when you become slack in like a part of your face? Yes. So your muscles basically give out in your face. It can happen randomly. They're not really sure why it happens. They think it has something to do with the nerves in your face. It can happen at any time. They think it's like might be triggered by stress. I think people with strokes like have something similar with their face to where it's just like drooping on one side. 
Mm-hmm. So we had a client come in with Bell's palsy and he was like, I'm going to try this electrocurrent on you. They have like the professional kind, you know, the big machine. And so yeah. he did like several sessions on him and it really massively improved his Bell's palsy in like a matter of weeks. And normally it can take like months and months to improve. And that's crazy. And then get this. He got Bell's palsy, the facialist himself. And he took this pure lift home and like used it on the regular. It was like, I did it probably like half an hour a day, morning and night. And he improved his Bell's palsy in like a major way. What is the device called and how much does it cost? Okay, so it's called Pure Lift Non-Invasive Facelift. It's $500. I did not get it for free. I actually bought it after he like told me all of this. I've been using it and I do think like my cheekbones are popping. You know I don't sleep. Do I look like I don't sleep? No. Do I look like I drink every day? No. Exactly. So you, it has different settings from 1 to 10. And I turn it all the way up because I like the pain and like it makes your face move on its own. Wow. So this is like when you go to the chiropractor and like they set those patches on your muscles and you actually like feel them twitching. Twitch. I've never had that. But yes, this must be that. Oh, wow. Where can you buy it? You can buy it on shin-beauty.com or you can just Google shin and it'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll find it. You guys are like very intelligent. And it has two like little egg-shaped nodes and it's like a little wand. I feel like it's much better to use than the new face. Anyway, if you're into this kind of thing, this is the device for you. Nick, what's your product of the week? My product of the week is not necessarily a beauty product as much as it is a cooking product. So we've talked about my failed Instagram account, The Anxiety baker or the anxiety chef. I forget. I deleted it. But I have been cooking a lot during quarantine. I love cooking and I love baking and it's been really fun. And it's been fun also to sort of like bulk up my arsenal of both kitchen tools as well as spices. And I thought that like, you know, Whole Foods was the best place to get your spices. But then there is a woman who I am friends with named Carolyn Palmer, the co-founder of another beauty shop in New York City called Cap Beauty, which just closed its retail location in the West Village, but is still available online. She, I call her like my condiment guru, like whatever condiments she recommends or posts about, I always buy. She just like has, you know how some people have the same taste buds as you? Like I just like, she likes spicy and pickled and super flavorful stuff. And so she tagged this company called Burlap and Barrel, which is burlapandbarrel.com, all spelled out. And they have equitably sourced spices. Every And they're single origin. So that means that, like, you know, when you buy most of your spices in the grocery store, you know, you could be getting dried oregano from, like, a variety of places. If they're not organic, it can have pesticides, yada, yada, yada. So this is all... They're working with small farms around the world, and typically these are spices that are harvested by hand, grown naturally, organically, transported directly to burlap and barrel, and they have a whole sort of mission about their sustainable sourcing. I think that essential oils and spices can sometimes have tricky backstories with regards to the communities that they're taken from, but I feel really comfortable with burlap and barrel and the spices are insane and different and unique. And you can buy either, they have kits, they have things like something called silk chili from Turkey, wild mountain cumin from Afghanistan, flowering hyssop thyme from Turkey, wild Icelandic kelp. I'm really into the chilies and the cured sumac, which is from Turkey. They have something called black lime, which is from Guatemala. Yes. 
And it is basically if you ever want to add the like essence of lime flavor to something, you know, you could put it on popcorn. It would be delicious. You could shake some on chips or on a taco or something like that, but you don't necessarily want to add the wetness of lime. This is like a delicious lime flavor. I'd never even heard of black lime. But anyway, they're really reasonably priced and I love them. I'm obsessed. They're $8.99 for 1.8 ounces for like a chili. You can get all these cool peppercorns. It's just like it's fun stuff to add and spice up your life. I love that. Thank you so much, Nick. I think I'm going to order some. They're amazing. And I literally, Carolyn Palmer, I trust any things she says about spices and condiments. You know what I tried, speaking of condiments, the other day that I am obsessed with and would eat it just by the spoonful? Have you ever heard of champagne mustard? Yeah. You have? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's well, delicious. I'm yeah. a big mustard guy. Well, you're talking to the, queen the mustard, mustard queen, and <laughs> I had never had it. You are my mustard queen. Oh, thank you, Nick. Okay, that's it for this week's episode of Eyewitness Beauty, the first episode of 2021. We are still working from home through COVID, through dog barks and children, Zoom school, and deliveries coming. And this is just the the world that we're living in. Hopefully, we'll all be vaccinated soon. And we'll all go to Puerto Vallarta together. And we'll all dance without our shirts on in Puerto Vallarta. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at eyewitnessbeauty, or you can write to us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com with your reader-submitted product recommendations. Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jessamine Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our art is by Simon Abronowitz, and our theme music is by Danny Prezant. We'll be back next week with another brand new episode, so we will talk to you then. Oh, and do we have a good episode for you next week? We do, actually. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.